voice that uh, transmits the word. Jesus was the word of God who became flesh. And the word today needs, um, you need a voice. And Lord, that's all we are. We're just voices. And we thank you for the privilege, though, of of, uh, speaking to people eternal words that they don't hear any place else. Oftentimes they're only going to hear it maybe through a friend, you and me, um, the, us, us right here. And Lord, um, we help, help us to see it that way. Help us to have grow in our compassion for lost people. We don't want to see this as a duty. Yeah, Paul said he's obligated, um, but and that he saw that before you. But at the same time, we saw we see him out persuading people in the gospel, persuading them. Um, and yet he, he even was willing to give his own life in, in, in exchange for all of the Jewish brethren that they could be saved. He'd be willing to go into hell for them. Lord, that's the heart of the kind of voice that you want to use. And we ask you just to give us, grow that heart in us more and more as we even take some steps maybe this week um, in our little homework. Um, if we take a step and just say something, I pray that as we do that, Lord, as we actually take steps and start applying these things, that you would use that to just give us a greater compassion for lost people. And I ask you to guide this time tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I just thought of something when I was in Columbus, Ohio, and we were starting the church there. Um, <clears throat> this was the very beginning of our little church. We weren't that large, but we had a, we had a Bible study going on campus. In the, in the student union every day at noon. <clears throat> this one guy walked into our Bible study. I think we had about 30 or 40 of us in that Bible study. And this one guy walked in. Did I tell you this story already? His name was Wayne Chadrick. And uh, he was from West Virginia. And he barefoot. Didn't have any clothes. Oh, didn't have any shoes. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So he walks in and and uh, he kind of sits there and listens to the Bible study. And at the end he stands up and says, I have a word. And basically, we had no idea what this dude was going to say. So he kind of rebuked everybody uh, because um, of our standards. You know, and he said, you know, he, he came in there with no sandals because he read in the scriptures that, you know, that Jesus told the disciples that don't take any extra pair of sandals or whatever, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So he was saved, but he was very young. So he was kind of into this thing that he was on kind of a mission from God. So we actually took him into our, we had a big house real near campus and Thumb and I were the only married couple. We lived in the house mother's place and and we had guys on one floor and girls on one floor and so Wayne moved in and uh, over a period of years he he really uh, came around and he was a real warrior and grew so much and everybody just kind of loved him and showed him a lot of grace. One night we had these prayer meetings going on, and Friday night prayer meeting, and would start early and would end real late. And um, we were just kind of milling around, and toward the end of the meeting, and Wayne <clears throat> says, "I'm all discouraged." He's just real discouraged, and he says, "I'm going to go out and witness on High Street, which is the main street there on the drag at Ohio State." So he just walks a couple blocks, and he's on High Street. And about two hours, an hour later, I'm still up and. He, uh, he comes in and great big smile on his face. And I said, Wayne, what happened? I was thinking, he said, I'm going to lead somebody to the Lord. 
I said, well, I asked him that. I said, did you, what, did you lead somebody to the Lord? He said, no. Um, nobody was interested. And I look at him and I thought, what? And he said, you know, but I, I just kept thinking. I, think, I kept thinking as I was talking to these people, I said, if it wasn't for the grace of the Lord, there go I. You know, and he just realized how, how uh, fortunate he was to have had his eyes opened. He could have been just as blind as those guys. You know, but it just, it just gave him energy, you know, to be able to share and to be in the spiritual battle. He really was. And he, I don't know, there's just something about that that kind of excites us and uh, changes our lives the more, we, um, the more we're active in sharing the gospel. <clears throat> so, anyway, uh, I think it was Bill Hybels that said he just wants to be able to, they kind of, a bunch of the guys at Willow Creek, when they uh, put that book together, um, Walk Across the Room, I think in the book uh, he said something like there they have they just came to an agreement of a few of the leading men there in the church that they just want nothing more than to be able to walk into heaven, you know, with with uh, as many people on their arm elbows as they can, arms that have come to know Christ, and won't give them a greater joy. And if you've never led a person to Christ, you know, John says, "I have no greater joy than to know that my children walk in truth." In First John or Second John. And I, I, I believe that, or I have to, because it's in the Bible, right there. <laughs> but I tell you, another greater, there's hardly a greater joy, though, to, to see a person saved and to know that they're going to be there because God used my little words that I said. You know, there's nothing more uh, exciting than that. So anyway, uh, we're going to, um, you have those two handouts now, Eternal Destinations, I think, and the uh, Blondin thing. There's a spot in this gospel track. And by the way, do you know, does anybody know if we have any more of those? Do you know for certain booklets here? In the, do, you, or do you know where they are? That'd be good. Uh, Brad, uh, Aunt, this lady Ann, and what was your name? Yeah. Karen. Karen or Carol? Sure. Okay, sure. <laughs> I know I've known Anne for many many years. Um, she was she lives in Parker, and we were we were kind of uh, taking our kids to HSLT together, and we were involved in Prairie View, and she was, and so uh, she just happened to see this on the website, and so she decided to join us tonight. She's got a real heart for the Lord. I mean, a real gospel heart. Um, so we would do a lot of witnessing as a group together. So. Anyway, uh, I was going to say, Brad, these two ladies need some tracks. Anybody else need a gospel? One of those, do you know for certain tracks? One, uh, two, uh, three, four. If you can find a few, few, anyway, I don't know where they are. What? No, they're... Oh, here, here we are. Who put them there? Hey, Brad, we have enough, I think. Okay. Um, Drew, would you hand these out? Oh, sorry. <laughs> Kenneth needs one up here too. Okay, so... Alright. Um, the Blondin. At this point, you guys... Uh, we... Uh, okay. Here's where you can use that Blondin... Um, no, it's not. You won't use the blonde there. There, you use a different. Um, if you want to use the blonde thing, you can. When you get to the last part about believing, and, and you know, all you have to do is believe, it kind of shows the difference between just intellectual belief and, and you know the story. But I'd like you to go ahead and hang on to that. You can take that home and read it. Um, 
Because you may want to use that. If a person says, well, I believe, then you can kind of use that example of, of this guy. And uh, he was kind of an amazing person. And I had a little YouTube. I just happened to notice on... You want to show that now, Greg? Yeah, I think so. We'll just watch that. <clears throat> Jean-Francois Gravelet, better known as Blondine, was a famous tightrope walker and acrobat. He's perhaps best known for his many crossings of the tightrope, 1,100 feet in length, suspended 160 feet above Niagara Falls in the USA. His act would be watched by large crowds and begin with a relatively simple crossing using a balancing pole. Then he would throw away the pole and amaze the onlookers. On one occasion, he crossed the tightrope on stilts. On another occasion, blindfolded. Another time, he stopped halfway to cook and eat an omelette. In 1860, a royal party from England came to watch Blondin perform. After his normal spectacular crossings, he then wheeled a wheelbarrow from one side to the other as the crowd cheered. Next, he put a sack of potatoes into the wheelbarrow and wheeled that across. The crowd cheered louder. Then he approached the royal party and asked the Duke of Newcastle, Do you believe that I could take a man across the tightrope in this wheelbarrow? Yes, I do, said the Duke. Ah, hop in, replied Blondin. The crowd fell silent, but the Duke of Newcastle would not accept Blondin's challenge. Is there anyone else here who believes I could do it? asked Blondin. No one was willing to volunteer. Eventually, an old woman stepped out of the crowd and climbed into the wheelbarrow. Blondin wheeled her all the way across and all the way back. The old woman was Blondin's mother, the only person willing to put her life in his hands. I've used that example before, um, but people can say, well, I think that James says that the, de the demons believe and they tremble, but it doesn't mean they're going to heaven. So a person says, yeah, I, I believe, but they really aren't believers unless they put their, are willing to put their, their life and trust, trust their whole life to Christ. It's kind of like I can believe that chair will hold me up, but not until I sit in it. That whole idea. So you can hang on to that one if you want to. And uh, use that as you can read it over. Okay, so let's do this now. Um, you know, you have that eternal destinies, or is that right? You got a copy of that? Does anybody have an extra one? Those eternal destinies things? <clears throat> Here, I'll get it, Ned. I'll just, I thought it'd be good if we could kind of read that a little bit, just uh, real quick here. Because I like to read them now because I'm afraid if, if we don't, you guys will just stick them somewhere and you won't read them. Because it's really pretty good. Eternal Destinies. This is a faith from a faith walker saying, um, Life on earth offers many choices. Eternity offers only two, heaven or hell. There really is a heaven, there really is a hell. Heaven or hell is the destination of people just across the street. 
in your classroom, two offices down, across the locker room, just next door. Four weeks ago, a 14-year-old neighbor boy, Logan, was run over by a car. He doesn't live next door to us, but one street over. There were 1,200 people at the funeral. Logan was quarterback of his middle school uh, football team. Uh, yeah, I was standing at the back of this large church, Methodist church there. Couldn't help notice how many middle school kids were there, many of them dressed in their team colors. During this funeral service, I couldn't keep from thinking about my own boy Jordan, who was 14 at the time, and it made me hurt for this family. But I was also thinking how many of these kids, these adults, have ever stopped to think about death, eternity, and what happens after you die. How many of these 1,200 folks seated here have ever heard a clear presentation of the gospel? Toward the end of that hour-long service, a lady walked up on the stage and read a poem called The Dash, illustrating just how short a race life really is. A whole life is represented by a dash on a tombstone, the time between birth and death. And it pointed to the need to make sure we're living for the right things because there are no do-overs. Here's a passage from that poem that made an impression on me. We don't know how much time is left that can still be rearranged. If we could just slow down enough to think about what is true and real. So, just kind of a good little eternal perspective here again as we think about it. Um, those that lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever and ever. I like that verse in Daniel. So, what we could do tonight, if you want to do it one more time, and if you have your pencils, and if you have your study sheets, I will go through, I will demonstrate again, um, up through page what? What were we on? Page 5. So we should, be, we should be ready to, at this point, move on to page 6 and 7 for next week. But let's go ahead and go through that, page 5. Um, Charlotte was gracious to volunteer last week. Who, who would like to... Um, be a, come up on stage and, and play the heathen part. I mean, a real raw heathen part. Who would like that? Am I going to have to pick? Alright, right here. Josh. Hey, bring your paper with you. Bring your study sheet so you'll know the right answers. Oh, you don't have one? Here you go. Oh, sorry, John. Yeah. Oh, you got one? We have three. Um, Logan, or Josh, 
Why don't you turn your chair and face that way? That way I can get over there with you a little more easy. Okay, so uh, I think the beginning uh, of this intro would work with just almost anybody. I think I could do this on an airplane with a guy after I sit and sat with him for a half an hour, an hour, and we just kind of shot the breeze. I think I would be totally within my comfort zone and probably yours to just say, can I ask you a kind of a different question, but have you and your wife and your family have ever, have you found a good church yet? I think we could be right into it. Just like if it was a guy, my coworker, that I was really wanting to kind of share the gospel with. So we set up a time where we could kind of have a lunch together. And I had real sweaty palms because I knew that this was the day that I was going to share the gospel. I think either way, I think it could work either way. Because it's such an, a non-confrontational approach. So, anyway, I'll just... Uh, I'll just kind of assume that Josh is sitting by me on the plane. And we've just talked about, you know, the world affairs and where this crazy United States is going right now. So I'm just going to say, Josh, um, let me ask you a question. Have you, uh, have you found a good church to go to yet? No, I haven't. Um, well, I'd like to give you something. It's a little booklet. It's not about church, but it's about a question that a lot of people uh, ask themselves, but most don't really know for sure how to answer. And see how he's reading it. And then I'll, I'll wait a few seconds and I'll say, do you, do, you ever, do you ever think about that question? Uh, now and then I do. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, let me ask you, I'd, I'd kind of be interested, how would you answer that? If, um, if you were to die today, Josh... Uh, how certain are you that you'd go to heaven? Would you say 90 percent, 100 percent, 70, 50? Uh, 77 percent. Okay, 77. Mm-hmm. That's pretty specific. Yeah. Tells me you thought a lot about that. Yes. Okay. I'm an accountant. I work all day with. Okay. <laughs> good. That takes care of that. Mm-hmm. All right. 77. You're the only one that's ever said that. 77. Mm-hmm. I've had some say 78, but so. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So 77 percent. Okay. Well, let me ask you this then. Josh, if you could know for sure, 100%, that you were going to heaven when you die, would you want to? Yeah, I would. Okay. Well, you know, this may surprise you, but did you know that the Bible says it tells us how we can really know for sure we're going to heaven when we die? You know what the problem is? The Bible's a really big, thick book, and most people don't take time to read it. But this little booklet that you have in your hands... It's kind of like the cliff notes of what the Bible has to say in this one area of, eternal, you know, of eternity and eternal life. And um, could I just take a few more minutes and, and read through this booklet with you just to get your thoughts? Would that be okay? Sure, why not? Okay. So I take the booklet and I fold it in half. <clears throat> okay. It says right here that it is possible to be absolutely certain you're going to heaven. The Bible says you can know for certain. And this is what it says right here. I write these things to you so that you may know you have eternal life. 1 John 5. And you see on this little booklet right here how the word know is kind of emboldened. It's, it's like God doesn't want us to have to guess or even hope that we're going to heaven. But he, he wants us to know absolutely certain that we're going to heaven when we die. 
Now that's security. In order to discover this security, we must first understand some things about God and about man. So, what are some character qualities that come to your mind when you think about God, Josh? Would, would you say um, he's um, hateful or mean, or what would you say? I wouldn't say that completely. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, here's what, here's what he really is. The Bible says this, and we'll look at some verses, that God is love, and he's holy. The Bible says many times that God is love. He loves us personally and deeply. 1 John 4 says that very thing. God is love. But God is also holy or perfect in every area. 1 Peter 1.16 It says this. God says, I am holy. Are you with me there? I don't... Yeah, it's on the next page. Next page. No, it's the before that. Go back one page. Oh, you may not have... Maybe, maybe the pages aren't quite right. Yeah. Here we go. Here I can... I was letting you use mine. Is it? Okay, thank you. Yeah, go ahead and follow me here then. Okay. God is love and He's holy. Okay? So, um... Okay, so... In 1 Peter 1, he says, I am holy. Okay, what would you say holy means, John? What would you say? I'm not sure. Well, it's kind of difficult because we really don't talk that much about being holy these days. But among other things, when you think God is holy, it means that he is pure. If he's going to be holy, he's pure. See this verse right here? It says, your eyes are too pure to look on evil. That's God. Habakkuk. And then he's also, if he's holy, he's going to be righteous. Um, the Ten Commandments are his perfect standard of right and wrong. We've all heard of the Ten Commandments. I'm sure you have. Can you think of any right now off the top of your head? Uh, do not uh, murder. Do not commit adultery. Uh, okay. Not bad. Yeah. Good. Among other things, there's a few others. Um, it says, do not use the name of the Lord in vain. And uh, do not lie. Do not... Do not covet. Do not uh, commit, commit adultery like you said. It says also, honor your parents. You know, so I'd say if a person could live like this standard of right, God's standard of right and wrong, he'd be a pretty good person, wouldn't you? Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. yeah. So, when it says God is holy, it means he's not only pure and righteous, but he's also just and fair. And see, I've kept my thumb over those guys, you know, so he's not looking ahead. And now I can just keep moving it down. He's also just and fair. It means he won't leave any of the guilty unpunished. It's kind of like God doesn't play favorites. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now that we've kind of seen what God is like, what are some, let's, let's think about man. What are some character qualities that come to mind when you think about people? Would you say we're the same as God or were we different? Probably just the opposite from God. Yeah. You're absolutely right. This says, people are not like God. We sin. I have. You have. I mean, John, let me ask you. Think about this. Have you ever broken any of the Ten Commandments? Many times. Okay. So how would you answer this? It says right here, ask yourself. We're just going to go through some of these Ten Commandments. It says, have I ever been immoral in action or thought? What would you say? Yes. Okay. Have I ever lied or been dishonest? Yes. Okay. Because the Bible says... In the Ten Commandments it says, you shall not lie. Mm -hmm. 
Um, have I desired another person's property? Yeah. Okay, that's coveting. Mm -hmm. don't covet. Have I ever taken anything that wasn't mine? Unfortunately, yes. Okay. Many times. Yeah. I have a record, which... <laughs> okay. Wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, you know what that makes you? A thief. Exactly right. <laughs> the Bible says, don't steal. Mm -hmm. Have you ever dishonored your parents? Yes. Mm -hmm. So, John, thanks for being honest with me. Um, you know, if we stack our, our lives up against the standard of right and wrong that God has, we all fall short, don't we? Yeah. In fact, the, the verse right here says that. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory or the standard of God. We've all sinned. Doesn't matter if Billy Graham or Mother Teresa, we've all blown it. So what's the result of breaking God's laws? <clears throat> Death. Separation from God both now and eternally. Why don't you read this verse for me right here? For the wages of sin is death. Okay. Romans so how would you no. define how would you define the word wage? It's a payment, I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's like yeah. a payment. It's something that we deserve. Mm -hmm. And if we don't get it, it's just not fair. And I think it's important to understand the meaning of this word death here. It's it's more than just physical death it's talking about, it's talking about eternal death. You know, death is basically separation. You know, when we die physically, we're separated from this life. And when we die eternally, we're separated from God forever. Sin separates us from God now, resulting in spiritual death. And this accounts for the emptiness man experiences in life. You see, it's, it's the sin that separates us from God. If sin separates us from God during life, it will continue to separate us forever after we die. The final punishment for sin is called eternal death or hell. I want you to look at this diagram here. See, it shows how sin, sin is what separates us from God. I mean, how can, how can a, a, a sinful person ever have a, a relationship with a God who is love and holy and pure and righteous and just? It's impossible. So if a person chooses to live their entire life being separated from God, and that's a choice that they make, and if that person dies in that condition, they're going to remain separated from God forever. In fact, the Bible talks about that. It says right here, they will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of His power. Okay. So what can we do to save ourselves? How can we bridge this gap? This answer may surprise you. Nothing. Because God is holy, He cannot tolerate any evil. Compared to His standard of perfection, even our best thoughts and actions fall short. Some people try to bridge this chasm and look at right here, this gap, by, by their good works. Um, some people try to bridge it by church or going to church or philosophy or just doing the best we can. And you know, there's nothing wrong with going to church and doing the best we can. That's a good thing. But they don't pay the penalty that God says our sins have earned. You remember what that was? Uh, Look right here. What's it say again? For the wages of sin is death. Yeah, it's death. Yeah. 
For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at one point is guilty of breaking all of it. Because God is holy and just, He must punish anyone who is guilty of breaking His laws. God must punish sin because He is holy. But He wants to save us because He loves us. See, that's, that's the dilemma. So, how did God solve this problem? Come back next week and we'll talk more about this. Okay. I'll get back on this plane. Okay. Any questions you guys have on anything? Did I did I leave out anything? Yeah, okay. Questions. Um, it seemed to me, um, I apologize, I wasn't here last week, um, but it seemed to me that you skipped this part that you went from what is God's result of breaking God's laws, and you went to death, and you skipped this little uh, cabbage here. Did, did, right. you, did you present, how did you hold this to when you, uh, what page so is I that? can't see when you're up there, I, I, how did you present this? Because I know you, you said something about folding it, but I just want to know how... It, was that mentioned in that, that that little gap it says verses and it, it got independent symbol and God love holy curve well, when, when where, where is it Kenneth did I, did I skip yeah it's kind of hard to so you know we, we talk about um, this part here yeah. and uh-huh. then then what is the result of breaking okay. God's laws uh-huh. and it seemed like to skip right to that did you talk about yeah. this at all? No, we don't talk about that one. You can, but see, we talk about that same... Look at the next page, it's exactly the same thing, but it's got. we can talk about it better there. Okay, so how would you hold this then? You, you mentioned like, be, yeah, before folding stuff in half, I know when you have the other pages, like... But just like this, you know, when you're there. And I, I just go ahead. What's the result of breaking God's laws? I just turn it over and go like that. Uh, so you, just, yeah. you just skip this page pretty much? Yep. Mm-hmm. Because it's right, we're going to talk about that same page there. So oh, you've okay. got these, these is, things is it, right so here. Is it, is it fine? Oh, drop it. Yep. Is it fine then for, for this, uh, if we have, oh, this wrong page here. Yep. If, if we have this, this open, because I know some people are, you know, a visual um, <coughs> learners as well. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it, I I guess it depends on the person. Some people might be distracted by it. See, that's the thing. That's why I think it's good to... When I was taught with Canvas Crusade how to share the four laws, Uh they always said to fold it. Because if you don't, they're Uh going to be... You're going to be talking about this page, and if this is open, they'll be reading the next page. See, they're not tracking with you. So I think they can track with you better by two things. Fold it, and then Uh use your finger as a pointer. All righty. And then, okay, so fold it there... Gonna fold this, so so we're gonna pretty much just skip this page. Yep. We can just we can say that. I mean, if we, we give it to them, I mean, they, they have that page. They can look at it. We can see. Well, it's, it's right here though. See, we're gonna talk I all mean, about yeah, it right it, there. It's, it's the same yep. stuff. Okay. Yeah. And then just okay. All right. Good. Any other questions, you guys? Did I leave out anything else? I have to keep working on this myself too. Okay. And, you know, as far as making it your own, I, I would say you can do that, but I would, for, for a while, I would just go with this. You know, when they taught us that it, in some ways this flows really nicely, and if, unless it's really hard for you to feel comfortable, then I would just kind of start with this, and then you can always add your own things. But the problem with adding too many things, it gets too long, and it may allow you to get off track. 
And remember, the devil, just like I said last time, wants to bleed our time. He wants to get, he wants to get us on, off on all kinds of tangents. So, okay, um, let's go ahead and pair up then, and we will um, go ahead and practice saying this and see how far you get. We're at page, page five. I'll kind of walk around if you guys have any questions on it. Hey, thanks a lot, Josh. <laughs> you don't make a real good heathen anymore, you know that? <laughs> you, you smile too much. <laughs> yes? So we're going to just pick up on this page pretty much.